Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the 45th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. I have the number uh, committed to memory now because I'm using old Rough Rider uh, uniform numbers to uh, jog my memory. So uh, this is number 45. We are honoring today uh, Glenn Dobbs mm. and uh, Mike McCullough. Oh yes, Mike so, McCullough, yeah, and a former teammate of Michael Balls with yeah. the with the Regina Rams junior version, yeah. Randy Srochensky. That's right, number forty five. What's he doing now? Do you know? I have no idea. He is a televangelist in the Toronto area. Really? Yep, he's a televangelist. Yes, he's the guy. When we played on the Rams, he'd ask the coach who their who their most uh, skilled offensive player was. And Frank would say it's number 23. And then Randy would purposely take a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty to send a message. Now and now he's, now, he's, now he's a televangelist. <laughs> yes, it's a true story, yeah. We're, we're already off to a rollicking start here, aren't we? <laughs> it's a true Nugget, story. Nuggets of information. Yes. Uh, Michael Ball yeah. from 104.9 The Wolf and CKRM, formerly yeah. of the Regina Rams, the yeah. fastest receiver in the history of that team. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. But I was uh, it, back in the day, I could run. There's no doubt about it. But I grew up in... Glenn Karen, you know, I had to run away from <laughs> from lots of things. And I want to thank you for inviting me back to Glenn Karen because <laughs> the last time I sit, I, I sat in a room like this, it would have been 78, 78, 79 when I was listening to either Tom Rosance or Tommy Clements <laughs> quarterbacking these Saskatchewan Rough yeah, Riders this, on the radio. This yeah. decor is plush. We're in our temporary quarters <laughs> while uh, construction yeah. is underway here. Okay, um, so we've, we've got the 1970s yeah. uh, look. We've, yeah. uh, we're going to start smoking halfway through the podcast to, to really revisit the 70s. <laughs> Maybe with a cigarette holder. Yeah, that'd be um, great. I should have wore a robe. Um, the... Uh, we're, we're going to talk about the Rough Riders, obviously. Yeah. We're also talking about franchises that nobody else cheers for but us. Mm-hmm. I am Regina's only Denver Nuggets fan, if I yeah. wore the hat. I know uh, a Michael couple of is... people. Yeah, I know a couple people that like the San Diego Padres. And usually, what is it? As we do this, it's like it's early April, okay? Usually, the Padres are out of it by now. <laughs> but they have won, uh, they've won seven of their first 11. And as we talk right now, sitting comfortably in second place in the NL West. Manny. Yes, Manny Machado. He's already taken his team out to dinner in St. Louis. Bought the whole team and everybody dinner on his credit card. I mean, he has Rob Bandstone money, three hundred million dollars. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm, I'm I'm pumped, and I love these colors. I like, guess I got turned on to Padres baseball. Remember 1984 when the Tigers got off to that huge start, and then the Padres played them in the World Series. Steve Garvey, Steve Garvey. Uh, Tony Gwynn, the greatest baseball Tony player of Gwynn all time, was amazing. Yeah, I loved him. And then uh, we had the, the Allen coked out Wiggins. <laughs> We had Goose Gossage. Goose Gossage. Yeah, yeah, he had a great team there. Uh, Dick Schultz. Is it Dick? Sh- Dick, Dick Williams was Dick the manager. Dick Williams was Formerly the ex, Former Expos oh, manager. Yeah, Dick Williams. Yeah. Speaking of smoking, Dick Williams smoked a lot. <laughs> Good team there. Like, and when you, what, what year is that Nuggets had? Uh, Greg Nettles played Greg Nettles? third base. Yes, he did. Gary Templeton was the shortstop. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my goodness. Wasn't, uh, who was it? They had a really slick outfielder, too. Wasn't... Uh, yeah, whatever. Anyways, we're gonna have to look this up. I was twelve years old, so I don't know I that was much. Twenty. Um, this is this uh, this is a this this Denver Nuggets hat is actually a new one. I found it in Regina. Okay, at uh, Jersey City. There's a plug. Please advertise with us. But because uh, they used to have the old mountains, didn't they? Yeah. Was, wasn't that their thing? The mountains. Yeah, the, I, I used to love the old Nuggets logo, and I can't. I couldn't find one. This is the only one I could find in Regina. Why so did you start liking? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, I like the Chargers because that was the very first NFL game I really remember watching was that 81-82 oh, playoff game, Miami, classic. the overtime one. And I thought, geez, these guys throw the football like CFL guys. Yeah. I'm going to cheer for Eric Coriel and Fouts. I loved it. 
Um, of course, the next week they does it the next week they, they went, went to Cincinnati, Cincinnati and, and it was minus eight thousand. Absolutely lost. froze. That's right in the AFC Championship game. But then I then I started liking the Padres, so I've kind of been a San Diego guy. Like, why are you a Denver guy? Uh, I'm old enough to remember when Regina didn't have cable television, and the only <laughs> pipeline to one of the few pipelines to American sports was KOA. Denver. Denver, 850 on your AM dial. That's right. And they, they had Bronco games, mm-hmm. and they had Nuggets games. They don't have the Nuggets games anymore. But So Al Albert was the play-by-play guy, and David Thompson was with yeah. the Nuggets, and he was the greatest player in basketball at the time. Yeah. And uh, Dan Issel, and Speaking Monty of- Tao, and, and uh, Bobby yeah. Jones before he went to the Sixers, and uh, Marvin Webster, the human eraser. Yeah. And I got hooked on the Denver Nuggets. And, speaking uh, of speaking all these years later, speaking of nuggets, did you know on this day, this particular day, 54 years ago, the Astrodome, a preseason game was played in the Astrodome for the first time Astros versus the Yankees and Mickey Mantle hit the first ever home run in the Astrodome. And it was the first uh, dome stadium sports venue that was air conditioned. And yeah, it, it came to be the Astrodome. Now it's just the parking lot, I think. And it was also this day in 1993 that the Colorado Rockies played their first ever home game. Before an NL record crowd of 80,000 fans. Wow. 1993. Did you know that? I used to have a Colorado Rockies shirt back then. <laughs> did you? Did you? Their first at-bat in Rockies history was Eric Young, if Eric? I recall correctly. Oh, wow. Look at that. Look at us. Um, Just, aren't we amazing? Look at us. I'm trying to find out who the hotshot outfielder would have been on the 84 Padres. Well, I, 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 Terry Kennedy was the catcher. Yeah. Steve Garvey at first base, Alan Wiggins at yeah. second, Gary Templeton at short, Gary Templeton. Greg Nettles at third base, Carmelo Martinez in left yeah. field, yeah. Kevin McReynolds... In center. Yeah. And Tony Gwynn in right no, field. No, maybe it was Gwynn I was thinking of, yeah. And um, Bruce Bochy was a reserve catcher yeah, on that Bruce team. Yeah, Bruce Bochy from the Giants. Uh, and one well, of the most ordinary pitching staffs of any team to do well in the postseason. My goodness. Eric Shaw, Tim Lawler, Ed Whitson, Mark Thurman, Dave Dravecki, Andy Hawkins. Goose Gossage bailed them out quite a bit out of the bullpen. Yeah, he year. was good. Uh, Bruce Bochy is probably one of the main reasons why the Padres are still in San Diego because he, they had a great year. Uh, would it have been, it would have been 1998. They went to the world series against the Yankees. And at that time they were voting whether to build a new ballpark and they passed it. And they got that beautiful Petco park. They had Bruce Bochy not manage the Padres. Then they probably don't do anything. And then they're gone like the chargers, which I still can't believe. I can't either. How that. is this possible? I hate that. It's just, I hate it. Yeah, it sucks. What I can't is the book? California, California in the NFL. It's just absolute. It's, goofiness throughout its history. Did you hear Sean McVay of the Rams? His uh, house got broken into, burglarized the other day. Uh, they don't know what was stolen, but we know one thing that wasn't stolen, the Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't take that. Was that not the most boring Super Bowl game you've ever seen in your that life? That was absolutely treacherous. And it was it was so predictable because you knew that Bill Belichick was going to eat the young hotshots yeah. lunch. So here's a question. And he did. Here's a question for you. Do you think Gronk is done? Or do you think he'll come back about game nine? I wouldn't be surprised if there's a if yeah. there's a if there's a cameo late yeah. in the season. It really wasn't the most convincing retirement we've ever seen. And he might end up playing as many regular season games as he would have had he not retired. Hey, speaking of Super Bowls, uh, if you ever want to get John Ryan mad, he's become a good friend of mine. If you ever want to get John Ryan mad, just ask him about the one where Malcolm Butler picks it off when he could have won back to back Super Bowls and didn't. Yeah, we've talked about that. <laughs> We've also talked about them beating Denver 43 to 8 the, <laughs> the year before. So if I want to get under John's skin, he can turn around reciprocate and in ways that will turn me into When did a, you stop watching that game? Or did you watch it because a Regina boy I, was playing and it was going to win the Super Bowl? I, my wife was just telling the story the other day. I got really upset. And um, after the third quarter, I'd had it. 
and my phone was blowing up because I was getting mocked on text mm-hmm. via text message and Twitter was going nuts and I was just getting so much mockery and people were making fun of me and worse yet, they were making fun of Peyton Manning. So I'd had it. So I went to the Southland Mall cinemas and just basically went to the next movie that was starting, which was Wolf of Wall Street that I'd seen a week earlier. And, <laughs> and I enjoyed Wolf of Wall Street, turned off my phone and then I went back home and texted John and wished to congratulate him on the Super yeah. Bowl. Uh, amazingly, they preserved their lead in the. They preserved. The oh lead yeah, I don't the know. How, they didn't. They did not and, blow uh, it. Yeah, you're right. And he texted me right back, and I th- suddenly felt good about what had happened to the Broncos. I thought, I just texted somebody who won a Super Bowl, and he responded immediately. How could I not enjoy this day? You, you know, if I can. And just the take, Ryan's is such a wonderful family. If I could just take a little, uh, we want to continue this John Ryan talk in the Riders, obviously, because we're talking Riders football here. But you know, that's the one disappointment I have with either the Rams who I'm a graduate of and or the university. Like you look at our little old university in Regina, John Ryan, Super Bowl champion, right? Akeem Hicks. Like he'd be, would he, would he be a top five defensive, uh, you know, front seven guy in the NFL, you know, outside of Khalil Mack, best player on his team played here with the Rams. Stefan Charles played in the NFL, AAF, and now he's going to come back to the CFL. Um, Brett Jones, from Weyburn, Saskatchewan, yep. played with the Rams. I mean, we there, there's... Uh, Tavon Campbell. Tavon Campbell. When you walk into the University of Regina, you should see pictures of these guys everywhere, but you don't see it. And the Rams never did a very good job promoting it either. Like, I don't under... you got a marketing tool yeah. sitting right in front of your face. I don't, I don't understand it. I, we some... No, a lot of times we have been on this horse for a long time. We just don't support our own. I don't understand it. You know what it. bugs me? Um, and Jorgen Hughes could long snap in yep. the NFL. He, tro- no he, pro- he, he tried, tried out, yep. but he could go down there no problem. Yep. He's, he's yep. as good as there is at yep. what he does. Yep. Um, I've had so many people say in recent days that it'd be great if John Ryan played for the for the Rough Riders because it'd be great to see lo- a hometown boy on the team. Well, why didn't you watch him yeah. when he was with the Rams? Why didn't I mean how many people showed up when he was with Sheldon? Um, yeah. You know, I remember the Jason Claremont situation. People said, gee, the Riders get better crowds if, if they drafted Jason Claremont in 2002. Nobody went to – not enough people went to watch Jason Claremont no. when it was one of the most amazing shows you'll ever see when he was with the junior and university Rams. So why don't people support these teams? Noah Picton, you're watching this awful yep. Rider offense last year. and 33,350 people routinely show up to watch the Rough Riders throw nine touchdown passes or 11 touchdown passes all season. Or you can go watch Noah Picton. Who is probably the best quarterback in Saskatchewan yes, last year? Absolutely, and but where were where were the people? Here's you what know, you could watch. People could have gone watch, you know, Sawyer Bittner yeah. years before that with the Thunder and seen an amazing. Now young it's different. It's different for a kicker with John Ryan. Okay, it's different because kickers are just a little bit different. Okay, in terms of how they're how people approach them. But I want to get your thoughts because you're uh, you're a very uh, you're very you're very knowledgeable. No, about football. Quit cutting yourself down. I love you, man. So let's <laughs> let's talk about this because it really makes me mad. Randy Ambrosi's doing this 2.0 uh, 2.0 tour, and I get what he's doing. I get he's trying to grow our game. Okay, and he's talking about kids that. After their university days are done, they should have a place to go play somewhere, yeah. right? I get that. But the, why are we... Daryl Easton can play senior football in Alberta <laughs> yeah, until he's... 44. He's yeah. going to be 68. Yeah. He's yeah. still going to be Unreal. throwing 40 yeah, He's passes. the Tom Brady of uh, yeah. Alberta Football League. But what I'm getting at here is, why are we so quick 
Now we're going to get rid of Canadian starters? Yeah, so, it makes no sense. It makes asinine. no sense. And why are we doing a CBA? Could somebody explain this to me? Why are we doing a collective bargaining agreement for a team that is 50-50 at best to be here? And if it does happen in Halifax, and I hope it does, it's not going to be here before the next before this CBA expires. It's not. Or very late in the deal. Or very late in the deal. So why are in Montreal, we, who knows what's going to happen in Montreal in the meantime? <laughs> like you know, you know, you want to know why the NBA is big and why the NFL is big and why the NHL is big here in Canada at least? Because there's a guy in Alabama that watched the football life with John Randall. I'll just use him as an example. He's in a little little uh, house with eight people living in it. He's got to go to the store and buy a tub so they can all bath in it. Well, th- believe it or not, there's somebody in Alabama that watches that story and say, I could be the next John Randall. So the dream is there. The allure of playing NFL football is there. What about... For the Canadian kid, their quarterbacks already don't have a dream. Yeah. No one picked it. They don't have and, a dream. And the roster roster rules regarding nationality are discriminatory toward Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. So so what happens is what you're going to do is you're going to drop. And don't tell me this isn't going to happen. We're going to drop Canadians from seven to five starters. You know what we're going to create? We're going to create a league full of offensive and defensive linemen. That's and what we're going to do. With virtually nobody here in the offseason to promote the team who's actually a starter. Yeah. And who's going to want to name me a kid that says, no disrespect, because I had a I had a conversation at supper with Dan Clark about this the other day. Nobody wants to grow up to be Dan Clark when they start playing football. Nobody wants to be Brendan Labatt. Nobody wants to be Brett Jones. Yes, when they get bigger, yeah, maybe I want to be a lineman. You want to catch the ball. You want to run the ball. You you want to be get slaff or Fantuz or somebody. That's what you dream. My son sits in the stands and I say to him, hey, do you think you'd like to play pro football? Yeah, I would like to play pro football. Can you see yourself running out of the tunnel? Yeah, I can. Come on, man. He's not going to... And I'm not just talking for Ethan Ball. He's not going to have a chance. Rob Bag wouldn't have played in the Canadian Football League. He was a street-free agent. Brett Jones, I'm going to tell you this right now. And this isn't a commentary on Brett Jones. He has NFL talent. But he doesn't have a chance to get to the NFL if he doesn't have a chance to show his stuff in the CFL. And if there is no ratio or a reduced ratio, then you know what? They're not forced to go look for Canadian talent. You know, talent. Chris Getzlaff was was tremendous once he got his chance. He had to get his chance. Yeah. So does just, that happen? So we're talking about John Ryan. Maybe John Ryan doesn't get a chance. Maybe John Ryan, the Canadian punter, doesn't start with Winnipeg, and then Cal Murphy sees him, takes him to Green Bay, and then he has this big 13-year career, makes money to set himself up for life, and now it's it would be really cool, Rob, because I know where you want to go with this, for him to come full circle and wrap it up here in Regina. It, it's so storybook. And first of all, I'm going to go on a quick detour and yep. say, it's the Canadian Football League yeah. of all organizations that should be promoting Canadian talent and the advancement of Canadian talent. It should be the Canadian Football League. If they're not going to do it, who is? So for the Canadian Football League to even consider, let alone enact a rule that reduces the amount of Canadian starters, it's, it's, it's just absolutely well, we repugnant could, to think of that. We could talk all day. I'm a radio guy. We have to play 35% Canadian content, okay? I remember a time when Shania Twain came to our old radio station on Halifax Street. Shania Twain. Shania who? Nobody knew who she was. She brought her tapes. She was she was begging for interviews. We played her music. Not just us, but everybody in Canada. And now Shania Twain's one of the biggest stars. But she had to have a platform to get there, right? And so... And, and when you're living next to the giant, like is the NFL, 
Like, why give everything away? And people say, well, it's more than just the Canadians. It's part of it, man. And I don't you agree? That's the, part of the strategy. It's part of the great parts it's of it. part of the strategy. you got to manipulate your roster, not only in the offseason, but you got to manipulate your roster on game day. It's part of the great strategy. You know what? You take out the Canadians, because don't laugh. It was 10. It was 10 starters back in the mid-90s. And then it went to 7, and we always heard, well, it'll go back up. It didn't go back up. No. And now we're hearing, well, it'll go to 5, but it, when we get the depth back up... We'll go back to seven. I had two personal conversations with Chris Jones, who is a noted talent guy, right? We all agree on that, right? He said the Canadian talent has never been better than now. When I broke into the league in 2002, it was a joke. That's what he told me. It is not a joke anymore. The coaching is better. The talent is better. So if that's the case, how can we be stretched so thin now all of a sudden? And if you look at it, a nine-team league, that's what it was when I grew up watching the Canadian Football League, and there were a lot more Canadian starters than there than there are than there are now, and the product was tremendous. That is, in by many people's appraisal, the the golden era, yeah. part of the golden era of the Canadian Football League. So, if there were were enough Canadians back then to stock CFL teams, how can there not be even more now, considering the degree to which the developmental system has progressed? Now, the NFL is taking some of those guys, admittedly, yes. but there's still a ton of them that are are available at a caliber that wasn't even fathomable once upon a time. Yeah. You look at the growth of minor football in, in, in Regina, in Saskatchewan. You look at amateur football in Saskatchewan with four university or junior teams. You look at the absolute explosion of football in Quebec. Yeah. So there are more Canadians who can play than ever. Yeah. And, and a lot of more of them are going down to the States to get the training that, uh, yeah. that should serve them well coming back here. Yeah. So... I think there's a better case for more Canadian starters than fewer. Yeah. But I'm dreaming to think that'll ever happen. Well, yeah, and that's but but you know what though? Guys like you that have been around a long time, guys like me that are in a position to talk, we need to talk about this because we back to that whole Ram discussion. We don't promote our own. We automatically think, and I'm not saying by and large the United States don't have better players, because they just have there's more of them. They have they could play year round, although I think our great programs here are doing a awesome job in the off season with the South Sass selects and football Saskatchewan and all that stuff. Okay. But here's they my got paid high school yeah, coaches. Well, in the I know States. we they can't, we, we can't compare the, you systems. can't, you can't compare the system, but we need to promote our own. We're so quick to spend 80 bucks to go watch a guy from Lakeland, Florida, because he's apparently better, but we won't spend 20 bucks to watch a kid from Sheldon Williams or Lakewood, Regina. Thank it you. makes no sense to me, but back to John Ryan. Yes, I John am, Ryan. Let's I am really, I'm really excited for that. I had a conversation with Ryan seven, eight years ago. I said, would you like, would you ever like to play? Cause he used to say Green Bay Packers were his dad, Bob's favorite team. Right. Yep. And at least Bob got to see him play for the Packers before he passed. That away. was wonderful. That was great. And Paul Hill helped out to fly the fa- the family in there. And that, that was great from by my boss, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this. And, and Joe, I said, John, would you ever like to play for the Riders? He goes, you know what? I would love to play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I know in one of your recent stories, you had a picture of young John Ryan sitting beside the Grey Cup yeah, or whatever. He turned eight the day they won the 89 Grey Cup. Yeah. So like, and he's been a season ticket holder through the nineties and everything just till he started with the Blue Bombers. So I'd love to see him come back here. And in the age now, another stupid thing with the CFL, I get it from the player standpoint. I want them to get as much money as they can. Cause it's a meat market. Let's be honest yeah. in and out, but this one and done where you're always going you you can't build any familiarity with anybody. You no. go get a jersey at the Ryder store. Are you going to put a name on the back? 
because they're gone the next yeah, day. Put your own, put your surname on the back. That's yeah, the, the that, only, that's, that's the safest so thing. So John do. Ryan to be here would be just a great story. And I really, he says he can punt. You and I both talked to him in different interviews. He says he wants to play till he's fifty. Laugh if you want, but that guy is in unbelievable shape. If he could play till he's fifty, I, if there's one guy that could, it's John Ryan. Yeah, I really don't have any doubt that John Ryan can come here. And I know and. You, he said to me the other day, I'm, I might not have the 70-yarders that I once did, but I'm not going to have the 25-yarders that I once did either. Right. Uh, and I think if you look around, you look at the Rough, rough Riders, they could use an upgrade punting-wise. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I love Josh Bartell as a person. He's been a very good punter for the team, but if you look at their punting uh, last year, they're near the bottom in net yardage and they're at the, near the bottom in gross yardage. Now, part of this... I'm not sure what what Josh Bartel was asked to yeah, do. Yeah, was it was it strategic, Rob? Like, because was he it, asked to these, do that? These pooch punts or whatever they had, they yeah. But whatever the whatever the who, who's ever behest this was done, at whomever's behest this was done, regardless, they, their net their net per punt was just over 33 yards. Yeah. So I don't know if it was directional where you try to cut the field off and we'll just sacrifice length for just cover coverage, but there's a lot of times when they would directionally kick it and the guy would still break out of there yeah. so and then you saw josh Bartel a couple of times last year or over the last couple of years he can boom 60 yards when he has to ask him to yeah you know it's, so it, i don't know if you look at the numbers i'm not sure if they're a commentary on josh Bartel's punting or, or the or commentary on the system yeah but regardless they weren't really you know presumably this was all done with the net mm. punting in mind yeah and that was that was still near the bottom I, so they, they, they i think there's a case for bringing in a punter if i'm the bc lions i'm all over john ryan right now mm-hmm. you've lost ty long yeah uh, <laughs> there i think there's there are teams that are probably have more of a, an evident need for a punter yeah but is there a better fit than regina for john ryan that's storybook no and do you so if you're a betting man would, would you think john's going to be here i would think so i i think he i think he has to be here I really do. And it makes business sense, doesn't it? Yeah. The money you pay for him, you're going to get back in tickets from friends and family and publicity. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of uh, RMF kids or young kids when I was out at this, uh, the Combine out there at the Yara Center for Football Saskatchewan uh, just recently. And a lot of the kids, when the news broke that he was, uh, I think you broke it first, uh, that he is going to try out in the um, with the Riders in Florida. A lot of the kids are like, is that really, is that really true? Oh, that's cool. You know, the one thing we don't have is a kicking camp and that's what they don't, you know, you can go to quarterback camps all you want and you can go to receiver camps and there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of kicking camps no. and especially locally. John How, had to do it on his own and go to, go to Arizona every winter. Can I tell you a great story about John Ryan? Let me Absolutely. tell you, this is a great local story. So I coach in the, uh, uh, the NFL flag football league here that Mike Thomas and football Saskatchewan puts on, by the way, what a league. Like I think when they first started, there were 75 kids and I think this is the 12th year and they're up to like 2,800. Like it's the fastest growing league in North America. But the CFL wants to reduce it to five Canadian starters per team. Can you yeah, believe yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. Good, good way to think. <laughs> but anyway, quality so, comedy. So I asked, I, my team that I was coaching was the Seahawks. Okay, locally. And John was in town just for a bit before he had to go home. I said, John, can you come out to a practice and just have a little talk with my kids before practice? He said, sure. So he meets me in Lake Ridge and he comes out there. Well, (laughs) we just get out there and the skies open up and it starts hailing and it starts coming down. So we're under the trees and then it it quickly passes, but it's still kind of raining. I said, well, John... You know, I guess we're going to cancel practice. And thank you for coming out. Cancel practice? 
We're not canceling practice. So he hauls all my like 10 year old kids out. He runs them through the whole practice himself. And then we take a team picture at the end. And I said, you're just like Antonio Camardi, except these aren't all your kids. <laughs> but it was, it was a little joke there. Antonio Camardi, what, 10 kids? Google Antonio Camardi. Yeah, that's Camardi. all you have to do. That's a good point. But I just, that's the kind of guy that he is. And that, and that's what we, and you talk about people staying in our community, you know, you know, and that's Look the at all the charity stuff he does. Well, never time. mind him. Like Dan Clark, I just had supper the with Dan Clark. Anti-bullying stuff. Anti-bullying. Brandon Labatt. These guys stay in our community. So what? I'm not against Americans, and I'm not against the global players. I'm not. I get it. It's great to grow our league. Maybe you can grow the money of TV. But don't forget, like you said, it's the Canadian Football League. And I heard Ambrosi talk about well. We're going to have a, maybe 100 million people watching down the line. And that's great. It's great to think big. Yeah. But, Rob, am I wrong? We still don't have 20,000 going to games in Toronto, Montreal, and BC. Before you expand, shouldn't you act? Like, are you going to expand your business? Or are you actually going to make sure your business at home is healthy before you yeah. expand? Uh, let's, and let's... Montreal. What's happening with Montreal, right? You know, in terms of the sale. Like, what are we? The league's going to take over a team. But, you know, let's, let's, let's expand. You know, the Randy Rambrosi response was, "I can chew walk, I can walk and chew gum at the same time." So you can you can do one thing and explore other ventures, but I don't think you can take for granted that there's there's some issues, and there will always be issues in the Canadian Football League. And the West teams will traditionally be stronger, usually in terms of performance and in terms of finances, than the Eastern teams. And you're always going to have a crisis of some sort in Toronto. You're basically dependent on the goodwill and the deep pockets of some owners that are willing to absorb losses to to keep teams in the league if if all the if all the owners all the private owners decided that they had to make a profit mm-hmm. based upon owning a cfl team this league would pretty much be the western interprovincial football union again yeah so let me ask so you this you've been around a you long need benevolent, benevolent owners you need the bob youngs you need somebody in montreal with deep pockets. david braley you need somebody in toronto that can that is going to david braley could own four teams if it if he has to, I never got why run. people hate David Braley so much. Like David, I get, I get, he didn't sink. He's, he's he, a savior. He's owned three teams: Hamilton, Toronto, and BC, and he owned BC and Toronto at the same time. Think about that. And we're busting his chops because he's maybe not spending enough on advertising or letting one team go. You're lucky he's owned two teams. Well, we talked. I mentioned the '89 Grey Cup a few minutes ago. The Hamilton Tiger Cats wouldn't have been around to play in the '89 Grey Cup if not for David Braley, because that franchise was virtually dead after the '88 season. Yeah, uh, Harold Ballard had given up on it, and uh, David Braley stepped in. Yeah, and uh, you consider the fact that the Argos are still around. Thank you, David Braley. Yeah, you consider the fact that the BC Lions are still around. Thank you, David Braley. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, people should be indebted yeah. to, to this man. But you need owners like this to keep this league afloat, yeah. because. Not all the franchises are self-sustaining. You've been around a long time, so I want to ask you this. I know maybe we're getting short on time. So is this room. I know. (laughs) (laughs) This is the the last time people went to Argo games. Right here. (laughs) Right here. (laughs) Hey, Rob, let's go down to CNE and watch a game. (laughs) Conridge Holloway. This is the Joe Theismann wall. (laughs) Man, nice Terry Greer shirt you got on there. My Conridge Holloway shirt. Let's go. Think Barnes is getting in today? You know what I mean, though? But people actually, I don't know what it was, but let me ask you this. Why do you think the Western teams are so much better than the Eastern teams? I've never figured this out. Because the Eastern teams, most of these guys, Durant, uh, 
you know, Deron Carter, whatever. They got East, a lot of Eastern based families. I know when I talk to these yeah. guys, they love like McCullen stuff. They love going East to play because that's when their friends and family watch them. Yeah. So you think more, it'd be easier. They'd have better players. It would be better. I don't understand why football's not better in the East. And it's not just a recent phenomenon. You've you had a lot of years where, okay, maybe there's one really good team in the East, but after that, it yeah. was, it was barren. Yeah. And, uh, this isn't just a five or ten year trend, you know. When the Montreal Alouettes were were on that run that they were on, yep. I mean, Montreal was unquestionably a power, but beyond Montreal, there was really not, generally not a team that was really going to challenge Montreal in that division. It uh, it's been tilted toward the West for for so long, and it's so baffling because the Eastern teams have tried to, they've tried to go for the, I mean, Hamilton wanted to make itself better. So they yep. got Ken Austin. Yep. I thought Ken, I thought the Hamilton Tiger Cats, once they got Ken Austin would be a dynasty. Yeah. And, and that didn't happen. You look at Mon- Hamilton and Montreal, both took a shot at uh, Johnny Manziel last year. Uh, so you're thinking, okay, we're going to get the big name player. Yep. And uh, they've tried everything yet. The trend has been, the scale has been tilted toward the West division for so long that it was the western conference when this happened i remember you're in 81 yeah when all uh all five teams in in the east and in, in the west in the west um hamilton was hamilton had a good year in 81 but but absolutely tanked in the playoffs after right. that you had ottawa with five wins you had montreal with with three and toronto with two yeah. so calgary which was last in the west would have had the second best record in the east and it was a totally balanced schedule that year and uh, the Riders were nine and seven and didn't make the playoffs. Ottawa won five games and got to the Grey Cup. Want to know the funny story about Where that? Where was the crossover? You know the funny story about that? It still makes sit- me cry. You know the funny story about that? 1981, Riders needed to beat Joe Pow Pow and the BC Lions at Empire Stadium in on, a ha- monsoon. on Halloween night. On Halloween night, and I know this because I was dressed up like Greg Feeker. I was wearing a <laughs> except num- dryer. I was wearing a number two Rider jersey, carrying an old football helmet around. I don't even know if Greg Fieger dressed up like Greg Fieger that night. But <laughs> I walked around and I remember going from house to house and I wasn't caring about the candy. I had to take my brother around, my little four-year-old brother. I was, I cared more about what the score was. And then when I found out the Riders lost, it was like, I don't even want to do that. Oh, it was awful. They, and they tried the reverse late in the game with Greg Fieger handing off to Dwight Edwards. Yeah. And there was a fumble. BC recovered, went into score a touchdown, won 11-5. So a 9-7 and seven Rider team didn't make the playoffs that year. Yeah, but the but the three win Montreal Alouettes did yeah. like and, and and we've always talked about that too. I don't know if you have. We've talked about re like. Do you think it's time to get ready rid of East and West, or do you have to have an East and West playoff format to keep the keep the if, the, the, the the interest out there? Well, I don't think it's ever going to be voted through because the Eastern governors are always going to vote for uh, the status quo because it puts an, another Eastern team in the playoffs in some cases. Yeah. Uh, that's going to that's going to preserve some interest in their in their teams down the stretch in the fall, and there's generally bigger gates after after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to get enough of a support across the spectrum of the governors for that to happen. But if you look at it, when and if the Maritimes team comes to fruition, you've got a ten team league and you've got an eighteen game regular regular schedule. So it's a schedule or schedule. Anyway, yeah, it's so easy to do home and away with everybody night, uh, and you and you've got eighteen games. So if you're playing a schedule a schedule or schedule that's totally yeah. even yeah. why not dispense with the divisions yeah one 10 team league yeah i get You're, it. everybody's playing everybody anyway there's no although randy ambrosia has, has made some noises about perhaps waiting 
the games within the division and having a little more, having more, somewhat of an imbalanced schedule. But I think the opportunity is there to have everybody play everybody. Yeah. And uh, have a, and then why do you need divisions if, if it's two games against every, every other team in the league? I, I just, uh, and I don't want to come across like I'm banging on Randy Ambrosi. I think he's done some really good things, like reversing that, uh, the, the, the challenge situation. Yeah. And, and he's done some really good great things. With great with the fans. Great with the fans. Great conscience for this. I, I just, yeah, he does. And I really think he has the league's best interest at heart. But I think we got to be careful and just what we were talking about. Just that's my only concern. Just let's keep it Canadian. Canadians, where it's at, man. It's where it's at. I would totally agree. We, yeah. We've got a couple of people agree. Generally, it's not the best. Uh, a lot, a lot, not a lot of heat when you have two people nodding when the other person is talking. But to me, this shouldn't even be a debate. But, a, but the CFL should be a haven for Canadian football. But, but here's the thing: don't they have Canadian to? Because there's, there's rumors that it's already a done deal. But don't they have to vote? I think they have to vote on they it, don't vote. they? And you think there's more Canadians in the league by the ratio, so they should. If you're a smart Canadian, you should say, "I don't want to lose my job." And the other thing is, these global players. What, what are they, they going to do with them? They still don't. They're having a European draft on Thursday. Yeah. And nobody knows how they're going to yeah. fall within the the roster. And there's oh gosh, you got we could go for two hours. I know we can't, but here's the other thing we that, can. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that bugs me. <laughs> we'll have lunch and come come rejoin us. <laughs> here's the other thing that bugs me about this. So yeah, where are those players going? I think if they're global, they should be considered international and they compete with Americans. The classification is already there. It's already there. Number one. Number two, they went down to Mexico and they had their uh, their combine right. The way they present, I know why they made it look good. All the personnel was there because they had to put on a good show because it's a, you know, first impression type deal. But did it not seem strange to you that it, they seem to put more of an effort into the Mexican combine than they do our own Canadian football league combine? Like, honestly, why can't we check this out? It's never going to be the national football league. Okay. It's never going to have that hype. But shouldn't we have some hype? Because people don't buy a product if you don't make them want to buy the product. So why don't we have it, instead of having Randy Ambrosi with a CFL backdrop beside a reporter and with the first pick the riders take, why don't we actually have it, say, I don't know, Casino Regina. Paper the crowd, rider fans, whatever. Glitz, give, glitz it up. Glitz it up. Give, hand out some Hamilton jerseys or whatever and glitz it up and make it like it's a big deal for the first round. Why can't we do that? Why can't we make it a big deal? The first round. TSN has five channels. I'd, I'd rather watch the CFL draft than darts. You know what really hurts it, though? You get to the CFL draft and suddenly it's... If there's nine first-round picks, five or six, and they'll be offensive linemen. Good luck finding video of them. And there's no, you know, the Noah Picton can be a marquee player in Canadian University football, but then he goes undrafted. Right. And and so you've in the NFL, you can, you can talk about mm-hmm. the the star quarterback and the going back to 2012, Johnny Manziel. You there's there's a there's fanfare about these offensive players, but in the CFL, it's generally. If you, if you don't weigh 300 pounds, chances are you're not going to get picked in the first round. And so here's this offensive lineman. If you look at the case of Josiah St. John, what footage was there of him? He barely played at Oklahoma. No, and I get what so you... how do you how do you make it a kind of a sexy draft when it's basically hog 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 grunt 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 grunt? But you're just you're just backing up what I said earlier. Is it not even going to get worse? If you get rid of Canadians, oh, it's, it's going to be hog, 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 hog. You're never going to have a chance. Who's who's the name me a name me a big time Canadian receiver that has people turning their heads talking in the Canadian Football League besides Sinopoli. Name me one. Top of your head. Hmm. Name me one. That's a 
that's a really good one. One that comes to my head is Lamar Durant. Is he not yeah, Canadian? Lamar Durant's good, but not great. Yeah, he's not great. Who else? Um, Corey Watson's 34. Um, uh, I can't think of anybody in Ottawa besides Sinopoli. Montreal, who do they got? Like, there's nobody. There's nobody. And so... What kid wants to grow up to be a lineman? And Brad Sinopoli grew up wanting to be a quarterback. Right. And he didn't get a chance. And there, and I've always said this, and people look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. And maybe I don't. <laughs> but here's <laughs> the thing. I coach at these levels, okay? If you've got a kid in high school that can throw a football 40 yards down the field, but he also can catch the ball, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to say, you know what? I really like quarterback, but I'm good at receiver too. So I think I'm going to go the receiver route. Well, what's the most important position in football? What is it? Quarterback. Yeah. So if I don't have the best athlete playing quarterback in my grassroots level, it affects the whole team. So if, 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 I, don't ha- if I have a great receiver, nobody can throw him the ball. How do I know that guy's a great receiver if nobody can throw him the ball? But nobody wants to throw the ball because nobody's going to get the – like, why should it be cut off? But we're taking people's dreams away. Why are we taking their dreams away? Even if you know that they're probably not going to make it. It's called the allure that they could make it. it that's why it's called a damn dream. It's a dream. Look at that. That eh? wasn't either of us, by the way. <laughs> that was that's construction going on at the leader post yeah, building. It's uh, a it's a dream, right? You know what I'm sorry, getting at? Sorry for that. Uh, you know what rough. I'm getting? It's yeah. a dream. And so we're taking it all away. Like like I went to the first and you were there too. The first Canadian uh CFL week they had here. And we had all the combine, right? There were no drills for quarterbacks. There were no drills for quarterbacks. And honestly... Noah Pickton was probably the best player there, and he wasn't even technically a participant. He was there as an arm. Yes. And he dazzled everybody. He dazzled everybody. kudos to the Toronto Argonauts for recognizing it. But they get no... They derive no benefits ratio-wise from playing Noah Pickett. That's another good point. And And it's so ridiculous. So do you think that... Do you think that... There's got to be a Brandon Bridge rule. Do you think Canadians playing quarterback are going to be designated Canadians playing quarterback when they're talking about dropping starters from seven to five? No, that's not going to happen. And when Randy Ambrosi sat across from me in our studios, he said, that's a no-brainer. That should be a no-brainer. But that... Some... I don't... It's because... The, the union is not a really strong no, union. No, it never has been and it never will be. And I, I wonder if that was thrown out there as a trial balloon because people are thinking, okay, five Canadian starters, five Canadian starters. So now if they come back and say, actually, it's going to be six, it won't. people will say, okay, at least it's not five as opposed to people concentrating on it going from seven, seven to six. I wonder if it's just a way to soft sell it's kind of like gas. It's kind of like gas. It's one oh six, then it goes to one twenty nine with all the taxes, and then all of a sudden it goes back to one twelve. And before you complain that at one twelve is too high, but now you think you're getting a deal at one twelve. Same thing, right? It's dizzying. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say before we wrap this up, Michael O'Connor. Let me ask you this: Michael O'Connor, quarterback UBC, lots th- of eyes on yeah, him. Yeah. Do you think there'd be lots of eyes on him if he was just from UBC, or is it because he spent a semester or half a year with Bill, o- like Bill O'Brien brought him into Penn State, and he was kind of with Penn State? Like, you know what I mean? There's such an American bias here in Canada. I hate. I it. don't understand. I mean, I, okay, look at tragically hip, and look at Jan Arden. Yeah, and people always say, "Well, they ne- well, Jan Harden had one hit in the states." I don't think the travel tra- uh, tragically a hip ever had one. No. And people look at it and say, "Okay, because they didn't knock them dead in the states, except for Jan Arden and insensitive." It's held against the artist. No, they're amazing. Well, and Oscar Peterson, my favorite musician yeah. from you know, from born in Montreal, uh, ended up settling in Mississauga. Yeah, and uh, he always decried the fact that that people. You almost have to be have that 
acceptance in, in the United States before people yeah. acknowledge what you've done in Canada. It's Oscar Peterson. He's the greatest musician ever. Yeah. And uh, he always felt the Canadians didn't really celebrate their own. Yeah. And he's absolutely correct. And you can extend that to football. And you can extend it down to the to the lowest levels. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Sometimes I go we... to a Rams game and I see yeah. in this beautiful new stadium, I see maybe two thousand people there when Noah Picton is throwing the football to Mitchell Picton. Yeah, to, 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 to the amazing receivers they've had. When I see Atlee Simon, yeah, playing in front of those crowds, it's like. Honestly, what are people missing? They're missing an absolutely great show. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I, but you'll but you'll pay all that money to watch that dismal rider offense last year. Yeah. So what? So so what do you think of the uh, rider changes? I haven't talked to you since they made all these changes. What do you think? You are you are you uh, are you optimistic with where they sit right now, going into camp? <laughs> Another no, is that that's not my comment on the Rough Riders. No. By the way, um, they're. I, so much is going to have to be dictated by Paul Jones and what he can find. And and uh, Jeremy O'Day said it on the sports cage the other day. We've we got to find the next Western dresser. Right now, they don't have him. I look at this team, and I, it's, I think Micah Johnson is going to help the defense. Yeah. It's still going to be a very, very good defense. I think they'll miss Chris Jones more than they'll miss anybody on defense because Chris Jones and his track yeah. record of coaching defenses is impeccable. I look at the offense. I think William Powell will help them. And it might give them uh, the, some play action op- options that weren't really conceivable last year. But you look at the receiving core; they've lost Jordan Williams, Lambert, they, and they've signed Emmanuel Arsenault. But is is Manny Arsenault going to? We're talking about Manny today, Machado Arsenault. Yeah. Um, he's not here to midseason. He, you know, when's he going to play? Yeah. And where is a receiver who can absolutely blow up a defense? They've got the same offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. They've got the same starting quarterback. And they've got a receiving core that looks like it's going to be about the same. The old, and that really worries me. The O-line is pretty good. Like, it's 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 good, but it's getting up there in, in the age, too. I mean, I'll tell you what. And I think I, maybe I said this here. I know I've said it on my own show. The MOP last year, most outstanding player, at least offensive player of the year, could have been Brendan Labatt. The things he did. The, her- the heroic to oh. actually come back and play. And, and and get like a game in Hamilton when you thought, well, he's hurt. He's done. That's six games. Because they weren't even dressing back up all linemen then, yeah. right? And he comes back and boom. Like he did that, that twice. He did that in the season. Like the guy's unreal. But I mean, you're playing with fire now. We're starting to get guys well north of 30. And I know they say they're in great shape and they are. But I mean, father time is, except for Tom Brady, to, father time is undefeated, man. Yeah, that's, I've been lamenting that as I turn, <laughs> turn 55 and sit in this, this, yeah, rum, yeah. this rumpus room. Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Um, I think I'm all out of blather today. I can I'm talk, yeah, I can talk about the Denver Nuggets some I'm more. Done. I'm in case done you're wondering, this is the Denver Nuggets hat, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Uh, Ballsy, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. This has been you. delicious fun today. Yeah, I like uh, talking with you. Number 45, I was on Mike McCullough's program. I could tell McCullough that. Hey, <laughs> this, this program is dedicated to you, Mike. Mike Media Color, as we like to say. <laughs> A tremendous, tremendous guy. Yeah. Um, Michael Ball, thank you again. Thank, thank you, uh, I don't remember my name at the moment, but... Uh, the great I'm, Rob Vance. I'm the host. I've got to. I've got to uh, read this thing. Okay. Otherwise, I'll be fired again. Uh, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps us to grow the podcast. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob. That's me at rvanstone at postmedia.com, and we'll read it on the show. I didn't get any questions last week, uh, so there's no questions to read on the show. That's how phenomenally popular we are. <laughs> uh, for Ballsy, Way I, to sell it. <laughs> I'm me, and we'll be back, be back with number 46 next week if you'll have us. Take care.